Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We are in our last installment. Let's shift gears. John 17, turn there real quick. We are in part four, final installment of the one series. God put this on my heart this last fall. It began to take shape as I was getting uh, through that prayer, praying it out. We we're getting through the holidays and then, you know, really had clear direction. And especially as we prayed through the 21 days. And so I really felt God was uh, wanting to set us up for the rest of the year. That's typically what Jan- January is and the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to thank you guys for all those that were able to participate with us in some capacity through the, the prayer and the fasting. And it really makes a difference. And so as, as the series progressed and I had a, a direction on each one, I really felt important to end the series on this topic today, which is belonging to being one with a community of believers. And so you might think for a second, it's like, really, you're going to give the church a message on coming to church. <laughs> We're here, right? It's like, and I know it sounds that way. In fact, I wrestled with it for a little bit. I'm like, okay, those are those that are here. And, and giving a message on the importance of coming to church kind of is like, almost maybe self-serving or maybe even kind of shallow, but can I tell you, it's more important and more deep than I really think we realize and understand what it is. And so I'm going to do a little bit of explaining today on what that really looks like, and maybe we, we don't understand it. And so let's start with our passage of scripture that's been our foundation throughout the course of the series here in John 17. And here's what it says. My prayer, Jesus praying to God the Father, he's praying not just for them alone, meaning his disciples, his small group, if you will, but for all those who believe in me through their message, that is not only the rest of the Christ followers, but all those to come, which includes you and I, that all of them, everyone may be one Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also believe in us so that the world may may be in us rather, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now let's stop for one second there because here's here's what I'm taking out of this. When we're talking about the importance of coming together as one, if you and I are supposed to function, operate in love as one and we never get together, how does that happen? How does that happen? If we avoid the gatherings and we avoid get-togethers or things like that, then how does the body come together to operate in a way that reflects the life, love, and power of God to a lost and hurting world? It doesn't happen necessarily only or exclusively through individual acts. It is the body coming together that is a powerful witness. So when we come together in the gatherings, if you will, and we have opportunity to connect and use our gifts in tandem one with another, it is a powerful representation of God's love for humanity. He says this, that all of them may be one just as we are one. Let's look at verse 22. I have given them the glory, everything they need that you gave me to do that, that they may be as one. The glory or the things that he give, has given us is so we can come together as one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to a complete or mature unity, brought together. Then the world, then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And I love that. I think that we miss the power and importance of coming together and functioning and operating as one, one body, if you will, one group of believers. Now, here's the thing that I hear a lot of times in, in the idea of church is like, we are the church. The church is not a building, and that's absolutely correct. But people will say this, and I believe in somewhat, uh, somewhat mistakenly, that yeah, we are the church. I am the church. I don't need to go to church. I am the church. And well, I, I would debate that with them. And actually, I'm a express that, explain that a little bit to you today. I believe Jesus always intended, he always set it up so people would gather together, come together in unity and in love, serving God, serving each other, and that would be the most powerful witness. Otherwise, it's hard to do that when we're out by ourselves doing our own thing. And so why is that an important topic? Why really, 
the question would be, do, do you have to go to church? What, what, are you just trying to get people in the seats or people in the building and say you have this? And it's not that at all. There's a deeper meaning to it. But let me just give you some practical things on why it's important and what that looks like in today's world. Um, let me give you some statistics. And th- these come from uh, the, the, the polls, the Gallup polls, uh, the Barna research comes from the U.S. Census surveys. But understand this, 75% of Americans identify with the Christian faith. And I really honestly find that hard to believe because you're, tell, you're telling me three-fourths of America is Christian? Then why are we in the situation we're in? And that tells me either we're neglecting assembling together, we'll get to that, or we really don't understand what it means to be a Christian. In fact, that's such a broad term. I, I would rather say Christ follower, and there's a difference. There's a difference between calling themselves a Christian and a Christ follower. So out of that 75%, 35% of Christians identify with being born again. That's pretty staggering to me. That tells me that there's a lot of Christians out there are calling themselves Christians that aren't even saved. Meaning they had a salvation experience, asking Jesus to come out of their heart and life, extending the invitation. He comes in, changes them from the inside out. That there's just a bunch of people, maybe even going to church, that don't know or have not stepped into that family of God and don't know that they can be or that Jesus came and died for them so they could have a better life. A salvation experience. 16% of Americans frequently attend church, and that is defined as twice a month. 16% of Americans go to church twice a month. 31% of Americans attend church once a month. And every year, around 2.7 million church members fall to inactivity. That means the church, is, the church as a whole in America is losing 2.7 million members every year. Studies say that if a Christian uh, church attendee misses two consecutive Sundays, they will most likely fall away from church. If you're out and you're just taking a break, be very careful because you might not get back in. Half of all churches in America did not add any new members the last two years. That is amazing. And I think it's because, again, what church is representing, what church is reflecting in our idea of church, 85% of American churches are in decline or plateauing. And that is amazing. And there's a, I'll give you a couple of reasons why I think. But understand, that's not what God ever intended. God established his church. Jesus said, well, look at that in a minute to, to be significant in, in the world today. It is the major change agent. It is perhaps the hope of, it carries the life, love, and power in Jesus. When we're gathering together in unity as one, then they will know. And so it's important for you and I to function this way. But the enemy, because of the power of unity and coming together and becoming one with a community of believers, the enemy works really hard to keep people away to dis- be disillusioned or, or disenchanted with church. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, I wrote these down later. They're not in your notes. But church isn't seen as relevant to the world they live in. And I believe there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, we live in a different world than we did 10 years, 20 years, 50 years ago. So we can't do church the way we did church 20, 50, 10 years ago. And the church can't just be some, some keeper of history or some th- th- to talk about the history of what happened then. They need to say, what's happening now and how, it, how the word of God applies to what's happening now in your, in your life today. I mean, that's why we did what we did last week. In fact, the church, it was long overdue. I just want to be honest. I'm, I'm sorry for that. It was long overdue. But some of the issues that the, that the country is facing today, like racial injustice, the church needs to have a voice on what's taking place today. Now what's taking place 2,000 years ago, per se. And the Bible talks to all that, speaks to all that. 
So you're going to see more of that. There's a lot of issues today that the church is avoiding because perhaps out of fear, they don't want, you know, I mean, ruffle the feathers of those that already go to church. Can I tell you, church is for the unchurched. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. Hey, if you're already going to heaven, thank God. But listen, we're here for those that aren't. And so we need to be relevant in today's world. Number two, bad experience in church. And that just, I just wish I could apologize for everybody that's ever done that and just love on everybody that's been there. Sadly, people in my profession or people in church or Christians hurt other Christians or or pastors. There's moral failures, there's abuse, there's legalism, there's all that kind of stuff. And I wish it didn't happen, but sadly it does. and And many people had a bad experience in church. Another one's burnout on church. They're serving all the time every week and, and they never get a break. They never get a break and churches will do that. We have to be very careful. Sometimes we have to protect you from you, right? We appreciate your heart and your desire and your passion, but everybody needs to come to church, not just serve in the church. You need, you need both. You need to serve one, worship one is what we say around here. Uh, number four, you feel, guilty, you feel guilt and shame for your current lifestyle. So people will stay away because they don't think they're worthy or they don't want to come and feel that guilt and shame. Can I tell you, guilt and shame is never from the Father. Guilt and shame is never from God. It's the enemy trying to keep you away from church. If there's a place that you should go when you're feeling guilt and shame, my goodness, it is the house of God. It's a place we should run to, not run from in the midst of our guilt and shame because none of us are perfect and we all make mistakes. And the body means to be loving and caring and accepting and welcome people because what? We all have issues. Number five, prioritize other things ahead of church. And I believe that's a big issue in, today, in, in today's world. There's so many other things that we've put, put above gathering together. And I understand because it's our, it's our idea of what church is. It's what drives a lot of this. But gathering together, coming together as a, as a body, a community of believers is so powerful. And we let other things take the place of that. Maybe we need to make a schedule adjustment. Number six, the idea of church requires too much work and commitment. I mean, that's the idea of, man, you've worked hard all week. You're, you're looking for a day to sleep in. Can I tell you, we always believe there's more refreshing in the presence of God than the presence of your bed. Come on. And, but I know sometimes you've got to get up and, and you've got to get your kids ready and get them all dressed, figure out what you're going to wear. Then are you going to feed them? Do you have time to feed them? You're waiting on little Johnny. He's always late. And then you're running out the door and then there's all these cars already in the parking lot. Then God forbid you come to the sanctuary and somebody's already in your seat. What's up with that? Right? Can I tell you, we do everything we can to make that a good, smooth experience. In fact, we even have now, we've, we've created, a team's done a great job with guest experiences, creating a plan of visit. So if you have friends that have never been to church and you want to help alleviate some of the, the newness and checking kids in and what do I do when I get there and where do I park, have them go online and plan a visit. We have a team ready to serve them. We'll communicate with them ahead of time. We'll get them registered ahead of time. Make it easy. Try and eliminate as many obstacles, obstacles as possible. Then come in. We provide breakfast for you and you can just get your kids some cereal or enjoy a taco. Then get them somewhere and we're here to serve you. We're here to make it as easy as possible. Remove a lot of that work and commitment. And then the final one I would say would be this, the option of online church. Online church is both a blessing and a cursing at the same time. And I like how God can use it because there's those times that you just need that morning to recover perhaps because of what's happened and transpired maybe the week or night before. Maybe you're not feeling good and you stay home and you experience online that way. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe, maybe, and we have a lot of online audience that, that don't even live in our area and they live in other places, maybe other cities, other states. And actually we have a lot that log online that live in other countries, other nations. We're thankful for that. And I'm, and I'm so glad that, but, but can I tell you is, that those are also things you have to be careful that will keep you out of actually gathering together. And I would say this to our online audience, we, we love you and thank you for logging in every time. But if you're in a community that has a healthy, life-giving, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church, then please get connected there. 
And if you find those times that you don't or you can't find it, then by all means, log on. But keep looking. God will lead you to one because we can't neglect gathering together. And so it's important. And so we get this misconception about church and we're disillusioned because of some of the things that happen. And, and, and the biggest turn off to church, honestly, is church. I mean, it really is the biggest turn off to Christianity or Christians. Just look at those statistics. And there's people out there falsely representing our God and calling themselves a Christian. We're talking about Christ's followers. So let's take a look at what Jesus always intended. And Jesus in Matthew 16, 15 has a conversation with his disciples and he gives us this picture of, he gives us what church is meant to be as he sees it. So he says this, he's asking about what do people, who do people say that I am? And they're responding, some say Moses, some say Elijah the prophet, some say just a prophet. And he says, he looks at his 12, says, but who do you say that I am? What about you? And Simon Peter answers and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. He basically said, you couldn't have figured that out on your own. (laughs) I love that. But by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, this revelation that he got from God himself, that Jesus is Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, on this core foundational belief, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell or death will not overcome it. I will build my church. And we celebrate that as we should and we rejoice over that as we should. But let's understand what Jesus was saying here. This is the first time this English word shows up in the Bible, the word church. First time this English, English word shows up in the Bible. And it's from a Greek word that is translated church. And the Greek word is this, ecclesia or ecclesia, however you would pronounce that, ecclesia. And ecclesia literally means, which is the word Jesus used, literally means a gathering or a congregation. You would not see the word church. Jesus never would have said the word church. He said, upon this gathering, upon this congregation. And if you look up both those words, gathering and congregation, you'll, look, you'll see the definition, an assembly of people. So I know that there is some truth that we are the church universal, maybe more the family of God around the world, but we all have local gatherings. We all have local assemblies of people. So Jesus was saying, upon this gathering or upon this congregation, I will, I will build my, here, let me say it this way, I will build my gathering, I will build my congregation, and the gates of hell and death shall not prevail against my gathering of people or my congregation. And so for us to say, I'm just part of the church universal, I don't need the church, you've totally missed what Jesus meant. It literally got lost in translation. And it's because later on, later on this, this, word, this word church comes from a German word. And as things progress with the church, then we understand that it becomes more political, it becomes more organized as an institution, and then it's doing things as an entity and all those things. So, so they brought a different definition to it. And when, when it was translated then into English, there really wasn't a word that really met that. So they found a German word, which I just, for, I have people from, that speak German uh, tell me how to pronounce it because I totally blew it first service, but it's K-I-R-C-H-E, Kirche, or Kircha which is translated the word church, and it means a holy place or holy of the Lord or holy place of the Lord. But that's the word that was put in there in English, but that's not the word Jesus used. He said, I will build my gathering. I will build my congregation. I will build my ecclesia. I will build a group of people together that the gates of death cannot rule against, cannot stand against. 
And so it survives today because it was Jesus' dream and it was Jesus' want and desire. And Jesus says, I'm going to build a gathering, a growing congregation of people, and not one single thing will ever stop it. A congregation of gathering. The word church really never should have been slid in there, put in that place. And the word that Jesus used got lost in translation. I'll build my gathering, he says. Jesus says, I'm going to build a gathering. And at the core, now listen to this, at the core of the gathering. See, we don't gather just for the sake of having another meeting, another service. He says, at the core, based on what this passage of Scripture says, at the core of this gathering will be one simple idea that I am Christ, the Son of the living God. And to be honest with you, not every church, ecclesia, gathering can even say that. That that's the core of what they do. So I understand that you may come from a church that, well, I don't think the church I went to feels that way. I, I'm not just talking a blanket statement here, but this is the purpose of the church is to get a gathering of people based on a core idea that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and then allow our walking and working together represent that to a lost humanity. And that's important. So 2,000 years ago, on the backside of the desert, Jesus makes this promise to 12 guys, and it's been kept all these years. And you and I get to be a part of it, a gathering, a congregation, not a bunch of individuals doing their own thing. So then later, Jesus gets arrested. He gets crucified. Then he's resurrected. And he, and he tells his followers, he tells 120 of them, he says, go gather in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit, till the Holy Spirit comes, the promise of the Father. We looked at this a little bit uh, last week. Then go out into the streets of Jerusalem. They go out into the streets of Jerusalem. They're gathered together as one in the upper room, 120 Christ followers. The Holy Spirit falls, empowering them. And they go out into the streets and there's gathered, the Bible says, people from every nation under heaven in the streets. And they all hear one thing. They hear them talking about the, in their own language, the wonderful works of God. And so they go out then and, they, and Peter addresses the crowd and he preaches a message here. Peter, basically in Acts chapter two and three, preaches a message. Let me summarize it for you. He says this in Acts two and three. He says, you killed him. He's talking about Jesus. You killed him. God raised him. Now say you're sorry. I mean, that was, that was Peter's message as, as he came out and spoke to the crowd there. Let's take a look at a couple components of it. Acts 2, 22 through 24 says this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles. You saw him, wonders and signs. He did all that, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, because you saw it, you heard of it. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men, he's in their face now, and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Goes on to say this in verse 32 and 36, God has raised this Jesus to life, and listen to this phrase, and we are all witnesses of it. He says, I know this to be true, not because somebody told me, but because I experienced it myself. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus to whom you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Turn over to Acts 3 then, verse 13 through 15. Peter preaching to a different group of people. Here's what he says. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You had disowned the holy righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you in his place. You killed, listen to this, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. How do we know this? Because we were there. We were witnesses. You know what is beginning to happen here? 
This gathering, this ecclesia, is not based on necessarily a bunch of other people's teachings or preachings. It's based on an experience with the power of God. See, that's you can sit home all day long and say, I don't need church because I'm part of the church, but you need a place to gather where you come together and you see for yourself and you witness the life, love, and power of God in your life in the lives of other people. You don't get that by yourself watching somebody online every Sunday. It's just truth. God never intended that. When Jesus said, I'm building my church, I'm building a gathering, and there in the midst of that gathering, in the midst of that unity, there's going to be a spirit of unity, and everybody using and operating the different gifts I've given them for the purpose of creating an environment where the life, love, and power of God will be on display so people won't just hear a message, if you will. They will experience God himself. You can't duplicate that or recreate that in another experience. He says, there's only things that will happen here. Do you know why the story of Jesus has survived all these thousands of years, even though it's been under attack? People have tried to put it out, be be done with it. I believe why the story of Jesus has survived is because it's not all about his teachings. Now, before you think, (laughs) heresy, I love his teachings. His teachings are important and great, but it's not all about that. Even Paul stood up and he said, you know, I don't come to you with excellency of speech I don't come to you with another argument or a good argument, and he certainly could make the case. He goes, I come before you in fear and trembling. I come with you with a display of God's power. See, church isn't about just coming and hearing a message, and people would say, I don't need to hear another message. I can hear an online message. I don't need, I can hear a podcast. Can you? You should. I do myself. But listen, you need to come together so you would experience the outpouring of God's love, the outpouring of God's freedom, the outpouring of God's power. Come on, church. The outpouring of a tangible, loving God who wants to meet with you. You get that when you come together. That's what Jesus meant. I love that idea. Now, let me ask you this, because you may not agree with me on it. It's all about his teachings, and, and that is extremely important to understand. But let me ask you this. Do you know how many people were outside the tomb of Jesus Easter morning? How many people were outside waiting for that resurrection, even though he taught about it? Zero. Nobody was there counting down. Okay, guys. Sun's fixing to come up. I would say it'd be anytime right now. Anytime right. Did you hear? Did you see anything? Okay, get the band ready. <laughs> Nobody was there. Do you know how many people believed Jesus was the Son of God after he was crucified? Zero. Do you know how many people were expecting a resurrection? Zero. How do you know that? Nobody was there. Do you know how many people were planning on taking the message of Jesus all over the world before the resurrection? Zero. How do we know that? Because they were hiding. When Jesus resurrected, where did he find his disciples? Hiding. Do you know what it took for really that to really fuel them to do what God called them to do. It wasn't his teachings. It was the expression of his power, resurrection power that fueled the gatherings that would come. It wasn't about just coming into another service or hearing another preacher preach a sermon. It was experiencing God for yourself, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. That's what we believe every time we gather in this place. It was fueled. What fueled the first century followers was the reason they became Jesus gatherings congregation. It wasn't just his teachings, it was the resurrection power of Jesus. Gatherings were fueled by that. Every religion is fueled by religious belief. But this is the only, only one 
that is fueled by the power of God. That's why we gather. What drove them to gatherings and congregations is what they saw and what they experienced. They saw a resurrected Christ and experienced his resurrection power. And all of a sudden, the church, the ecclesia, the gatherings, the congregations began. And Paul would go all throughout the Mediterranean rim. What would he do? He'd be start gatherings. He would start gatherings of people. And wouldn't you know what? Jesus was right. Not only would death not stop it, it was his death and resurrection power that would fuel it. And so you see that through scripture. I am. Talked to my wife yesterday. My best ideas come last minute. It's frustrating to me. It's frustrating to my team, frustrating to my wife. So she was out and about yesterday, and I said, honey, I got a great illustration. I need your help for today. And she says, okay, I'm out. I'm out running some errands. What, what can I do for you? And I said, the best way I think I can illustrate this is like, I need a fish bowl with some fish. And uh, I said, I know what you're thinking right now. And the last thing we need is, uh, uh, what are we going to do afterwards? We, we don't need any more pets. We have two dogs. And she goes, I'm not worried about that. We could just turn the fish loose in the pond. And I said, well, they're not going to live there. And she goes, no, for bait. I'm like, well, that's, that's heartless. No, that's heartless. I'll pray for you. And she says, it doesn't matter anyways. And I was thinking, maybe we could give the fishbowl to some people. We could bless someone's children. We wouldn't ask the parent. We'd just go straight to the child and just bless them. But then you would leave the church. But anyway, so she so didn't do that. So she goes, I got a better idea. And I'm like, well, what are you thinking? She goes, don't worry about it. You know, all that costs too much money. Get that whole fish tank set up and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Just costs too much money anyways. And so I went, my wife had a great idea. So this morning, instead of a real fish bowl of fish, I have a bowl of goldfish. But I want you to know that some of them are the orange cheddar and some of them are the brown pretzel. They are diverse like our church. It represents our church. Let's see, I don't know if you can see that. Amen. Thank you. But then my wife said, because don't worry, honey, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll, you'll, it'll look like the real deal. I'll even get you a little fish net. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. But my wife is so good and so frugal, she saved a bunch of money. And then since the fast is over, we can eat these when we're done. So it's a win-win. So let's just say right here, for this, use your imagination with me. This is the fish bowl. And in here, obviously, is water and a fish habitat, an environment for fish. And in it, you see fish. The bowl would be the church, and in it, you would see fish, which would be the people. We would be the people. Now, this is the environment created, and we know that God created fish specifically for a specific environment. Fish thrive in a particular environment. And so the fish are in the fish bowl, and the environment created, much like you and I, God created us specifically when we became born again to be in a specific environment where we would thrive better. But we all know fish don't want, maybe fish don't want to stay there. I don't know what it is. Or fish get uh, upset or frustrated or leave. And so if you take the fish out, which I don't know if you can see that, but if you take the fish out, is it still a fish? Yeah. But it's not in the environment that was intended for it. So life lived outside of the environment is never life that was meant to live inside the environment. There's an environment meant for fish to thrive. There's an environment for God's people to thrive. And then there's an environment meant that's not for them, that's not for them to thrive or survive. And so we get frustrated and we leave the environment God intended for us and we get ourselves out there. The danger in that is because the enemy wants to peel you off from a gathering of believers or wants you to think that you don't need that. And what the enemy's trying to do is isolate you, get you outside of the environment that was meant to, for you to thrive in and find real life and have a good life so he can isolate you, so he can destroy you. In fact, the Bible says the enemy's, the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour.
a little dry. I haven't had carbs in 21 days. <laughs> I don't know what to say right now. If I, in holding the fishbowl, holiness, here's another thing, and, and just, again, silly, but can I tell you, we need childlike faith to understand this. And so really, so this environment there, and, and the, the reality is that uh, if I was to put food in this environment, it would have flowed on the water, the food would be in there, the environment would be for the health of that fish in there. But listen, we all know if you've ever fed fish, you, you put fish food in there and it floats on the top, and what fish do then is fish go get it. So here's what I believe part of the problem is people come into a church and they expect the pastor to feed them. Now there is some truth. I want to offer you things that are going to help feed you and grow you wherever you are in your walk with Christ. But what my priority, my, my real purpose is, is to create an environment in which you can thrive. But you'll determine if you feed or not. So if you have some fish food floating on the surface here, you'll have fish go and get it. The ones that go get it will thrive and live. The ones that do not, even though they're in the environment, will still starve. But more than likely what will happen, and we have churches full of people in an environment like this, but they're, they're, they're expecting, I guess, maybe the church or the pastor to feed them instead of just bring them to a safe place and environment they can thrive in. And what they're doing then is they're thinking, you need to feed me. Can I tell you, I've never seen a fish spoon fed or bottle fed. I've never seen that. And so you'll get frustrated and you'll leave this environment because you didn't think you were fed, but all around you was the opportunity to grow and, sur and survive, not, not survive, but thrive in the environment. So let me say it this way. So when you come into an environment created for you, because this is the environment God creates for you, you come in here and then you feed and worship. Man, God, you're awesome. You're mighty. You're wonderful. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And then you feed in small groups relationally with other people. And then you feed by serving and taking your eyes off yourself and helping somebody else be fed. And then you feed in the word as the word is opened up and allowed into your heart. Can I tell you, this is an environment that you were meant to thrive in, not be isolated from or run from. And so can I just say it this way? We have too many, too many Christians that are fish out of water. That's just the reality of it. And the sad thing is, They'll think either they don't need the environment, which they do, or they'll think that the environment didn't meet their need. I mean, can I tell you that? We are just here to create the environment, but you gotta come in and feed on worship. You gotta come in and feed on the word. You have to come in and feed through serving. You have to come in and feed through groups. You have to come in and feed. It's where you thrive. And so unfortunately, we have too many people that lose sight of that and think that they can do this on their own, and the enemy is just waiting for a chance to isolate you. I just want to encourage you today, do not be a fish out of water. It is important for us to make sure that we're coming, gathering together. Too many people think they don't need a church, a gathering, a congregation. There's too many fish out of water. You know, and thinking about this again, to illustrate it, the idea of the power of coming together. I'm reminded of a passage of scripture. Uh, actually, Matthew, guys, if you get Matthew, I've cut a whole lot out, but Matthew... 22, uh, 36 through 40. And so Jesus, again, talking about, I believe, Ecclesia, talking about how we are to come together in gatherings and how we're to live our life. Somebody asked him, said, 
teacher, tell me, just sum up the law. Sum it all up. Give me the Bible. Give me the whole purpose of all this, what we're to do. Sum it all up in just one thing. And so Jesus is talking to him. And, and, and so he says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it to you. And it, let me read it for you instead of tell, tell you about it. It says, teacher, which of the greatest commandment is the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I can imagine the conversation being there, people standing around saying, man, that's great. Yeah, I get that. We should, yeah, you're right on, man. We should love God with all our heart, minds. And then I can see Jesus in there. Oh, hold on. I'm not done. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not done. Because I can see people. Yeah, that's what we need. We just need God. If we can just get this peace with God and I, man, it's going to be good. And Jesus saying, no, hold on. I'm not done. I didn't finish yet. Wait, wait a second. And then he goes on to say this. And the second is like it. To which James said, wait, we just asked you for one. And he said, no, 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 you can't separate the two. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the, uh, and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It hangs on these two commandments. Love God, love people, love each other. Now, I don't know how we love each other if we don't ever come together and express that love. Right? If you remember last week, we put on love when we serve one another and we serve those that, that are, are still looking for a place to belong. And it's by that coming together that reflects the life, love, and power of God when we become one. And so how do we do that then? And so I thought of this illustration. Is that somebody bring me jumper cables? If you don't have jumper cables, you need to buy some. Because if you're like me, you might leave a light on or something like that, right? So jumper cables. So I was thinking about how do you illustrate the power of this, the importance of this, and here's what I know. I don't know a whole lot about cars, but I know this. I know that the black one goes on the black thing and the red one goes on the red thing. Okay, that's what, I got that. <clears throat> so here's what I know about jumper cables, and you need to hook it up to a power source. You need a power source, a battery that's fully charged, fully powered. And then you have a, you have a power source that's depleted that no longer has a charge, it's dead, if you will, and I know the way that these work is that you hook the black one up to the black one, you hook the red one up to the red one. And then I know that you look over to the other one and you hook the black one up to the black one and the red one up to the red one. I know that it only works if both cables are hooked up. And here's what I believe, what God was saying, Jesus was saying in this statement was, yeah, you need to connect with me, but yes, you need to connect with other people. And I believe the ecclesia and the gatherings are opportunity also to connect with other people. And I believe then when we connect with God and with each other, then great power is released to resurrect the dead things in our life and bring life into our broken lives, our broken marriages, our broken families, our broken finances, our broken hopes and our broken dreams. So here's the thing, because some people will think, oh, I only need God. Can I tell you, the devil's okay with you only pressing into God. The devil doesn't have a problem with you getting as close to God as you possibly can as long as you're not connecting to other people. And let me say it this way. The devil's okay with you connecting to other people as long as you don't connect to God. But he knows that if you connect to God and to people as Jesus described, that that releases the power into your life. It's when you connect to both, not one or the other. So the, the devil works so hard to get people out of church and to stay out of church. But here's the thing. I know it's easy to connect to God. Why wouldn't we? We love him. He gave Jesus for us. He's easy to love. People aren't. <laughs> it's hard to connect with people. That's why there's so much stuff in our lives relationally. But Jesus is saying, we need to have an ecclesia, a gathering. We connect with God and we connect with each other because when we connect with God and we connect with each other, then resurrection power is there. 
to raise back to life the things that you thought were dead and gone and would have life no longer. We need to come together as the ecclesia, the gathering, the congregation, and allow the power of God to be released in our life. You cannot duplicate that outside of a gathering. So let's make sure that we don't allow whatever that is and our differences, our, our hurts, our our bad experiences or any of those things. Don't allow that to impact us in a way that keeps us away from the gatherings. Because the way, let me say this in case you misunderstand what I'm saying. The way God says that maximum power is released is when you're connected to him and to each other. I don't mean that God doesn't have maximum power. He does. But he created the system. He created the plan. And Jesus said, you gotta love God and love others. And when you connect those two, then great resurrection power is released in your life. And we believe that is the power of coming together to connect with each other and to connect with God. And that's what we feel, we experience, and we see the power of God bringing things in our life that we thought were dead and gone back to life. So we need each other. We need to be one with a gathering of people. We need to make that commitment. It's January. The reason why I feel this series came at this time is because to set ourselves up for the rest of the year, to get ourselves in position to have an incredible year. So one with God and your purpose, one with each other in small groups, we all need that, one with each other through our diversity, and then one as a gathering. Connect to this body of believers if this is where you feel God's called you. God is a good and faithful God, amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope this morning is to simply explain a simple yet powerful message. And that is God's intent for everyone. Jesus established was establishing a gathering of people, no one isolated by themselves. And then he was expressing that in order for there to be really this to work the way it was intended, that we need to love God and we need to love each other. We need to come together in those gatherings. And when we do connect it to God and connect it each, to each other, then there's something that's experienced. There's something that's encountered, not just something that we're told or something that's talked about. But we are meant to thrive in the gatherings where the power is released, not to live life by ourselves. So I just want to encourage you this morning, make, make that commitment today for you and your family. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.